and welcome to Rocket Radio, where we share great books for kids to want to read again and again and again. And maybe, just maybe, along the way of our reading adventure, find some new ones. We at Rocket Radio are super, super excited about today's episode. On our show today, we will have our very first guest. She's a student at Robinson Intermediate School, and her name is Maya, and her hobby definitely is reading. Maya, how are you doing today? Good. Very good. Good. And so how has homeschool been going? Um, kind of boring, but still fun <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it, so it depends on the activities, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. Like my son did an outdoor activity today in science. So yeah, that was fun. But yesterday inside with reading, well, he likes reading, but, you know, he had to do vocabulary words, and yeah. yeah, we get that, you know. We like reading, but sometimes there's activities that aren't quite as much fun as some of the other activities, right? Yeah, and you want to do those other activities longer. Exactly, exactly. So, um, I want to thank you for joining us today and welcome you to our show. So, I heard, and I do know this about you, because I've, I've known Maya for, uh, since she was little, in third grade, um, and over the years, she and I have developed a very close um, working relationship, really. Um, she inspires me and helps me to do things at our library, and then um, she does those things, and she seems very happy about it. She keeps me on my toes. Anyway, so... Um, Tell us about some of the ways you've been reading while we've been at home because of the coronavirus. Well, um, I can't really go to the library, so I've been reading books that I have at my house. And sometimes we do go to my mom's school, but they don't really have books there. But we still do sometimes. And also, I've been using my Kindle in reading, um, which is like digitally reading, and I use the app Libby for that. And then sometimes I just listen to audiobooks on um, Libby, too. And yeah, that's basically what I've been reading. Good. And is, uh, you mentioned that you've been using the app Libby. Is that free for kids, or do they have to, would parents have to sign them up and pay for that? It's free, but you do have, I don't think you have to sign, like, pay, but you do have to make, like, an account. Okay. And there can be three people on the account with you, like, me and my dad are on my mom's account. Okay. And you have to share, I have to share an account with my dad, which is good because you can only have, like, three loans and three things that you're borrowing, stuff like that. And so he doesn't really borrow anything, so, or, like, wait for anything. So I basically get that. Yeah, that's good. Um, So it kind of sounds, it almost sounds like it's a digital library, you know, where you can borrow and check out things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you use Libby on your Kindle, and you use. You said, did you say you use that for audiobooks? Yes. Okay. And so the the physical books, like the books that you hold in your hand, you're just. It sounds like you're just kind of finding them where you can. Is that true? Yeah, I don't really. All the books that I have on my shelves, I've basically read. <laughs> but sometimes, if they're good enough, I'll read them again. Yeah. Yeah, and reading books again, you always find something different that you didn't notice the first time you read it. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, so um, Maya, what are some stories that you have been reading in basically those three areas? Um, for just like a book that you hold in your hand. Okay. Um, I recently, right now, I'm reading a book called Quinny and Hopper, which is... It's good. I mean, it's not my best. Yeah. But, um, do you want, like, my favorite one, or? Uh, but you're, well, you're reading Quinny, is it Quinny and Hopper, you said? Yeah, that's okay. what I'm reading right now. Yeah, you're reading right that book right now, so that's your physical book, and then what about, uh, what are you currently reading uh, with your audio book and your, uh, on your Kindle? Well, I'm not really reading anything on my Kindle because I can't really find anything because a lot of people are getting stuff. Yeah. Like, it's, there's a big difference from when the school year and now. But the last book that I read, I think I finished it two days ago. Okay. called The Truth About Jellyfish. It's not nonfiction. Yeah. Um, it's um, realistic fiction. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of sad but it's still really good. Yeah. And um, that book didn't take me that long to read, but it was, like, about a girl who her friend died, like, swimming. Um, because And she just can't believe it because her friend's such a good swimmer. So she wants to figure out why, and she thinks it's because of this. I have no idea how to pronounce it, but it's, like, transparent jellyfish that oh. stung her uh-huh. and so she she found this guy on the internet and she wants to go visit him and he's in australia like she lives in somewhere and so she like got a bunch of tickets and like used her dad's credit card and stuff like that uh-huh. just all this to just go and when she got to the airport, like, she wasn't old enough to fly by herself, even though she thought she was. So yeah. then it's basically how it ended. Wow. <laughs> but Oh, wow. That sounds like a really great story. Yeah. Especially for people who like realistic fiction. Yeah. That's yeah. Like. <laughs> and so um, um, that was your audiobook or your Kindle? I'm sorry. My Kindle. That, that, oh, that was the yes, that was the one that you read on your Kindle. And then, um, do, are you listening to any audiobooks right now? Um, yes, I'm listening to an audiobook called um, The Fourth Stall. Oh. Yeah, Fourth Stall. Um, and it's about a boy who, like, he runs a business in the fourth stall of the boys bathroom is close to the window and because there's like a, something that happened with the toilet there and so he runs a business and you he'll you pay him you'll pay him and you have to do a favor for him whatever he wants to like solve your problem like it could be like 
you want to you want something or something like that any problem and then he just came upon a really big problem with um a, like someone else called staples like they have to um basically try to stop them from doing like these bidding things so yeah and then it's talking about how when he has a problem there's no one really to go to because he's the person you go to for your problem oh so, yeah oh my goodness so did he ever find someone to share his problems with he has some friends but they're kind of in the their business so like he's solving the problem with with solving his own problem so i mean i guess not oh difficult what yeah no he didn't he really never found it sounds like he never really found someone to help him he actually helped himself and that kind of reminds me of uh basically what we're all doing right now while we're at home there's all these resources out there to get information and get things to read you just have to search it out which is you're having to solve your own problem yeah we never would have found some of the things we found if like this would have happened. True. You think about it. Yeah. True. I, I really agree with you. Well, Maya, I think those are great stories. And um, I want to thank you for joining us today on Rocket Radio. We thank really, you. <laughs> we really loved having you. And uh, Maya, we'd love for you to come back and share some more great stories with us. Do you think you could do that? Yes. <laughs> awesome. 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 So, coming up next, the legend of Sleepy Hollow continues. Last week, we met the Headless Horseman. This week, Ichabod Crane. He's a schoolmaster, teacher, of the one-room schoolhouse in Sleepy Hollow. Some say he looks like a scarecrow in the cornfields that the town is so famous for. So in our story last week, we left off where uh, we were introduced to the Headless Horseman of Sleepy Hollow. And so he rides on his horse each night um, and he is looking for his head in the story. And uh, he has to be back in the uh, graveyard where the church is by the time the sun comes up. So he's always in a rush. And uh, in the town, Sleepy Hollow, there is an unmarked grave that is supposedly supposed to be this man. He was a uh, Hessian soldier. Uh, in one of the battles of uh, the Revolutionary War. And there's been people that have actually said this is a true uh, person, a real person that existed, and he was unfortunately killed by a cannonball uh, and was beheaded. And so the grave um, is unmarked. Uh, It has its uh, headstone stolen all the time, so the Graveyard Society doesn't even... Put the headstone up anymore uh, and I know this because when I went to Sleepy Hollow on vacation which I told you guys previously before um, I just so happened to go up there and was walking around the cemetery and the uh, graveyard uh, 
caretaker um, struck up a conversation with me and he gave me a tour of the um, graveyard and so he showed me because that was the first thing I wanted to know where is his grave and so yes he showed me and it's underneath the tree and it's unmarked uh, it's there's it's just ground it's just grass so this week we are going to continue with this story so here we go it is remarkable that the visionary propensity I have mentioned is not confined to the native inhabitants of the valley, but is unconsciously imbibed by everyone who resides there for a time. However wide awake they may have been before they entered the sleepy region, they are sure in a little while to inhale the witching influence of the air and begin to grow imaginative, to dream dreams and see apparitions. I mention this peaceful spot with all possible laud, for it is in such little retired Dutch valleys, found here and there, embosomed in the great state of New York, that population, manners, and customs remain fixed while the great torrent of migration and improvement, which is making such incessant changes in other parts of this restless country, sweeps by them unobserved. They are like those little nooks of still water, which border a rapid stream, which we may see the straw and bubble riding quietly at anchor or slowly revolving in their mimic harbor, undisturbed, by the rush of the passing current. Though many years have elapsed since I trod the drowsy shades of Sleepy Hollow, yet I question whether I should not still find the same trees and the same families vegetating in its sheltered bosom. In this by-place of nature, there abode in a remote period of American history that is to say, some 30 years since, a worthy white of the name Ichabod Crane, or as he expressed it, tarried in Sleepy Hollow for the purpose of instructing the children of the vicinity. He was a native Connecticut, a state which supplies the union with pioneers for the mind as well for the forest and sends forth yearly its legions of frontier woodsmen and country school teachers. The cognomen, sorry, the cognomen of Crane was not inapplicable to his person. He was tall, but exceedingly light, with narrow shoulders, long arms and legs, hands that dangled a mile out of his sleeves, feet that might have served as shovels, and his whole frame most loosely hung together. His head was small and flat at top, with huge ears, large green glassy eyes, and a long snipe nose, so that it looked like a weather cock, perched upon his spindle neck, to tell which way the wind blew. To see him striding along the profile of a hill on a windy day, with his clothes bagging and fluttering about him, one might have mistaken him for the genius of famine descending upon the earth or some scarecrow eloped from a cornfield. 
His schoolhouse was a low building of one large room, rudely constructed of logs, the windows partly glazed and partly patched with leaves of old copy books. It was most ingeniously secured at vacant hours by a width twisted in the handle of the door and stakes set against the window shutters so that though a thief might get in with perfect ease, he would find some embarrassment in getting out. An idea most probably borrowed by the architect, Joost van Houten, from the mystery of an eel pot. The schoolhouse stood in a rather lonely but pleasant situation just the foot of a woody hill with a brook running close by and a formidable birch tree growing at one end of it. From hence the low murmur of his pupils' voices conning over their lessons might be heard in a drowsy summer day like the hum of a beehive, interrupted now and then by an authoritative voice of the master in the tone of menace or command. Or by the appalling sound of the birch, as he urged some tardy loiter along the flowery path of knowledge. Truth to say, he was a conscientious man and ever bore in mind the golden maxim, spare the rod and spoil the child. Ichabod's Crane, Ichabod Crane's scholars certainly were not spoiled. I would have it imagined, however, that he was one of those cruel potentates of the school who joy in the smart of their subjects. On the contrary, he administered justice with discrimination rather than severity, taking the burden off the backs of the weak and laying it on those of the strong. Your mere puny stripling that winced at the least flourish of the rod was passed by with indulgence. But the claims of justice were satisfied by inflicting a double portion on some little tough, wrong-headed, broad-skirted Dutch urchin who sulked and swelled and grew dogged and sullen beneath the birch. All this he called doing his duty by, his, by their parents, and he never inflicted a, ch a chastisement without following it by the assurance so consolatory to the smarting urchin that he would remember it and thank him for the longest day he had to live. When school hours was over, he was even the companion and playmate of the larger boys, and on holiday afternoons would convoy some of the smaller ones home who happened to have pretty sisters or good housewives for mothers, noted for their comforts of the cupboard. Indeed, it behooved him to keep on good terms with his pupils. The revenue arising from the school was small and would have been scarcely sufficient to flourish him with daily bread, for he was a huge feeder, and though Lank had the delating powers of an anaconda, but to help out his maintenance, he would... He was, according to country custom in those parts, boarded and lodged at the houses of the farmers, whose children he instructed. With these, he lived successfully a week at a time, thus going the rounds of the neighborhood with all his worldly effects tied up in a cotton handkerchief.
tune in next week when we read more about Ichabod Crane and uh, find out how the story develops with um, his infatuation with a young Miss Katrina Van Tessel. Rocket Radio listeners, thank you for joining us today. We had a great day that was super exciting, filled with great ways to read a story from Maya. And Maya, we just want to thank you for joining us and taking time out of your schedule today to share your stories and some different ways that you are reading while we are all homeschooling in Texas. And join us next week when we sit down and we talk with a real Minecraft enthusiast. And we'll also find out some more about our Sleepy Hollow story. Rocket Radio. We're great kids. Share great stories. <laughs>